Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's On the Beat show brought to you by Ingles. This is Mike Griffith. and really pleased tonight to be able to bring you a really special guest, a two-time Georgia All-American, a Ray Guy Award winner, an academic All-American, now uh, working with Icon Source on this new name image likeness deal. He'll be the middleman, I guess, and I'll let Drew Butler explain all that. To- We're going to talk about everything. It's a live show tonight. We're going to catch you up on our thoughts on the transfers, our thoughts on the college football playoffs. I'm borrowing a little info. You know, Drew does this podcast with Aaron Murray, the punt and pass podcast every fall. So we're going to get a little sneak peek info from Drew. Drew, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Glad to be with you. Um, Great to be talking college football. I'm glad we got some sense of normalcy. It seems like that Clemson matchup in week one is going to be a blast. And uh, I can't wait. Go dogs! Thanks for the invite. Wow. Well, let me just start out right there. You know, I, I feel bad for punters and kickers, first of all. I really do, because the the bad, you know, if you just, if it's a bad snap, if you kick it <laughs> wrong, it's like, kill the punter, right? You Every night, you'll boom a great one, and everybody goes, oh, that was pretty nice. But when you do something bad, it's the end of the world. So I guess I'll just ask you, I want to jump right in there. Obviously, you're a great athlete. You know, punters are, you know, currently Camarda. Jake Camarda can dunk a basketball. Jake Camarda yeah. is a fabulous athlete, a good golfer. Yeah. But but you go into the world of punting. And so that's the first question I want to ask you, Drew, is just, just the pressure factor. I mean, that has got to be one of the most pressure-packed positions on a football field. You know, it's pretty thankless. I just really enjoyed the art of punting. You know, I love getting out there and, and throwing my cleats on and, and punting and uh, it's a lot similar to golf. It's very similar to golf in which you're always chasing perfection. You know, you hit a great punt. You want to do it again. It's all about consistency. And it's a it's a mat- matter of really evening out uh, your, your really good punts with your, your not-so-good punts. And obviously, when those sneak up in a big-time moment, uh, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. But I was blessed to be surrounded by a ton of great guys on those teams at the University of Georgia um, you look at somebody like Jake Camarda now. I mean, I think Jake is worlds more talented than I was when it comes to leg strength, when it comes to explosiveness. Uh, he is really special, and he's going to be really uh, have a great opportunity this year to do some special things and help out Georgia in ways where I think uh, if things go as planned, the dogs could be hopefully back in the college football playoffs. Yeah, I think Jake Camarda is an All-American. I think he could have gone pro. I think he would have been drafted. You yeah. mentioned the leg strength in it. He is unbelievably powerful uh, and a great athlete. Reflecting back on you, nice deflection there, by the way, Drew. You're, I love the team player in you. Obviously, your dad is a Georgia <laughs> hero as well. You guys can be found in the record books. But uh, when, when did you know you were going to be a punter? Were you always going to be a punter? Were you always going to be a kicker? I mean, obviously, Kevin, an unbelievable kicker and, and a Hall of Famer himself. You know, my first year playing football was my sophomore year of high school. Uh, my dad had never pressured me into playing football. My parents never made me go try out for the football team. I loved playing soccer, and I loved playing golf. Uh, and I went to Peachtree Ridge in Swanee, Georgia, brand-new school. We were a charter class. And my freshman year, I didn't play football, and they lost a couple of football games because they didn't have somebody who could kick an extra point. They had a lineman out there toe-bashing it. Then they were chasing two points later in the game. They won one game the first year the school was open. They probably would could have won two or three. And my buddies are really talking me into it. Hey, come on out. You know, we know you can kick. You've got the <laughs> soccer background. You know what you're doing as far as your dad being able to teach you. Um, give it a chance. So I told my parents one evening in the springtime, hey, I think I'm going to go out for the football team. And I tell you what, I thought my parents were going to fall out of their dinner chairs. Uh, they couldn't <laughs> believe it. And all they really said was, look, 
We love that you're going to do it, but you have to give it 100%. You can't have a couple bad weeks of practice, hang it up, and quit. This is going to take some time, so let's commit to it. And we certainly did. Um, and I wanted to just kick field goals in high school, and our punter actually tore his MCL like the oh. second game of the year. They tossed me in there. Um, and that's really just when I fell in love with it. So I was just a better punter than I was a place kicker at that time. And, and when I committed to Georgia, Blair Walsh was already committed as a junior in high school and Brandon Katu was going into his senior season. So there was really never an opportunity or a need for me to kick field goals at Georgia. I just held for the kickers and uh, ended up punting. That's, that's incredible, dude. What, what, a, what a tribute to you and what a great career you had. Obviously, you finished your career as Georgia's record holder. And I'll be honest, I'll come clean. I didn't check to see if you still have the record. But anytime somebody leaves school or leaves with a record, like I look at Eric Zier. Eric Zier is one of my favorite college football players of all time. Mm -hmm. And to me, he does not get the respect. I mean, when yeah. Eric Zier left Georgia, he was the SEC's all-time leading passer. He can't help it that Peyton Manning came around and they were you know leaving him in the fourth quarter of games that you know for four years to get records. I mean, Eric did it in competitive situations. There was no padding. I, I guess this tribute to Eric uh, Zier brought to you by you know UGA Sports. <laughs> but but I'm just saying. I, I, I look at guys, and when you're the best of your era, it just says so much. Now, I want to ask you this question because this is a kind of a tricky question. And, and someone, you know, I didn't cover Mark Rick as a beat writer per se, but I had the opportunity to cover the Bulldogs when they played in the Sugar Bowl against Hawaii. Uh, what a fantastic game that was, uh, wearing the black jersey. That was a team that, had there been a playoff, probably would have won a national championship, yeah. in my opinion. I thought Mark Rick was fabulous. And now I've covered three years of Kirby Smart, and I think he's fabulous too, Drew. So many fans, though, they get into this Kirby versus – it's like you can like them both. You you can yeah. like them all just like you do former players. You know, no one's going Jake versus Drew or anything. So I guess I would ask you, though, as someone that's followed it closely, that, that probably has a pretty good perspective on Kirby, how would you compare Kirby to Mark? Obviously, I think they're both uh, – I think they're both future Hall of Famers, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, two tremendous head coaches. And keep in mind, Coach Smart worked for Coach Rick. I mean, that was in 2005. Kirby Smart was on his coaching staff. These guys have a lot of respect for one another. Obviously, Kirby ended up going down to Miami with the Dolphins, with Nick Saban, and then falling under the Saban tree with all of his success at University of Alabama, uh, leading those defenses, winning those SEC titles and national championships. And look, as the chips fell, when Coach Trick's time at Georgia was winding down, remember – Steve Spurrier stepped down like in week two, right after Grayson Lambert and the Georgia Bulldogs whooped up on him. Um, and there were rumblings, pretty wide open ones that were saying South Carolina is going to go full sprint after Kirby Smart. And Georgia obviously knew what was going on. Um, the writing was sort of on the wall at Coach Trick's tenure was coming to an end in Athens. And it ended up working out to where an alum of the great University of Georgia was able to be named the head coach. Now, I have worlds of respect for Coach Smart. Um, I think he already should have a national championship. Obviously, we all do for Georgia fans at this point. Uh, but when you get into the comparisons of Coach Rick versus Coach Smart, I just don't think it's an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. People right. always ask me in interviews, hey, well, it, it, are people getting restless of Kirby Smart? You know, is this it? Or is he out of excuses? Does he have to win it all? And I say, well, not that I hear because really he only has to do one thing beat Alabama like he just has to beat the University of Alabama get over that hump and the SEC championships will come and the college football playoffs and the national championships will come 
everybody knows that is the big elephant left in the room, no pun intended. And I think the recruiting that Georgia does, I think more so the player development on that staff that Georgia is able to accomplish over those three- and four-year periods is where Georgia will finally be able to get over that hump. Don't know if it's this year. It seems like certainly this year could be a fantastic opportunity. But there's one thing left to do. Beat Alabama. The only way to do it is to go through it. Um, it seems like 2021 is going to be a great opportunity for that to happen. No, I, I'm with you, Drew. It, when people say, are people getting tired of Kirby Smart? And this, I tired of what? You know, three straight yeah. top 10 finishes, top five uh, recruiting classes, $170 million in facilities and donations in five years. One of the best recruit, one of the best football staffs in the country, uh, a record breaking number of recruits in the last draft. They're going to have 10 to 12 drafted in the tired of what? Yeah, yeah, getting great quarterbacks. I mean, JT Daniels is in line. Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, we're going to talk about him in a minute. Gunnar Stockton committed. I mean, what are you tired of? Being an yeah. annual championship contender? I mean, this is this is uh this is a wish list for other schools for Georgia to get tired of Kirby because Absolutely. they're scared of Kirby is listen, they've led Alabama three times at halftime. And and nobody likes saying, well, you can't finish games. Do you realize Kirby has only lost four games in five years that he's led at halftime? Three of them have been to Alabama. One, let's face yeah. it, it's a fluke. It's a fluke. Yeah. Second and 26 is a fluke. If DeAndre Walker doesn't get injured and Jalen Hurts heroic, I mean, that's a that's a one in 10 uh, odds situation in that SEC championship game. Rodrigo missing a field goal, by the way. I mean, it took it's like a plane crash, a cascade yeah. of events. Now, last yeah. year, to me, it was remarkable that Georgia held a halftime lead at Alabama, by the way, with Jalen Waddle, by the way, yes. with a fourth-string former walk-on quarterback, by the way. That's good coaching, folks. So yeah. I know I hope that and because I've seen some Georgia fans even throw this out there. Just say, hey, relax. Your guy is 45 years old. Saban is 69. Time is on your side. University of Georgia and the Athens community is only going to get bigger and better, Drew. And, and one of the reasons why and, and one of the ways how is this new playoff format. And I want to talk yeah. to you about it as somebody that played the game and certainly follows it closely. Again, you do that podcast with Aaron Murray. Aaron, obviously, uh, the uh, SEC's all-time leading passer now. Another guy who a lot of people don't know the answer to that trivia question. Another yeah. guy who doesn't really get his due, by the way. But what were your initial reactions Drew, when you saw that there was going to be a proposal for a 12-team playoff? You know, my initial reaction is this. 12 may be a bit too much. My second reaction would be this. It's still going to be the same four teams that end up in the final four of the college football playoff. I'm happiest with one thing, though. Players won't sit out anymore. I think that's huge. You give incentive for guys to finish out their careers with some integrity. Let's look back at the Florida Gators a year ago. Florida almost beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. Alabama dismantled their competition in the college football playoff. If Florida then had turned around and said, okay, we still have an opportunity to fight for a national championship, you're going to have a lot of guys. I believe three of their uh Seniors were NFL first-round draft picks. Those guys are getting ready. The lights are going to be turned on. They're going to compete. Kyle Trask is going to have his weapons of choice out there when they're going into battle for the college football playoff. I think that keeps the integrity of college football longer into the season, which, of course, is a good thing. I do like that the top four teams get a bye. I think that's much well-deserved. Uh, 12, as of now, to me, it just feels like a bit too much. I kind of liked eight. But again, if we go to 12, 
by 2030, we'll be at 16. I mean, this thing's never going to stop expanding. It's never going to be perfect. Um, but hey, let's try it out. And again, let's give these kids something to play for and make sure that we, as selfish fans, all have something to watch in between uh, New Year's Day and Christmas. Yeah, you know, Drew, I kind of thought the same thing at first. My first reaction was, oh my gosh, 12. And then I looked at who was on the committee. I said, we got Greg Sankey here, uh, the, the unofficial commissioner of college football. We got Bob Bowlesby of the Big 12. We yeah. got Jack Swarbuck of Notre Dame. Obviously, Notre Dame has to have a seat at the table. And then you got the Mountain West commissioner, Craig Thompson, kind of representing the group of five. And at first glance, I, I'm with you because because here's, here's the thing I don't want to lose. Here's what makes college, and you'll agree with me immediately. The regular season is so special. Every yeah, Saturday awesome. means so much. Yeah. You're holding your breath. Oh, my gosh, you know, if the team loses, this could be it. And, and yeah. that's what makes it so darn exciting. I think that we've maintained that with the buys. See, I, One of the reasons, and, and Alabama fans get all upset with me, and some people call me an excuse maker, but Alabama got a buy in 2017 for not playing in the SEC championship. Yes. That yes. was wrong. Georgia played an extra game and got shipped to the West Coast to Los Angeles on a four-and-a-half-hour flight, and Alabama had a 30-minute flight to New Orleans. How in the world did that work for Alabama that they lost to Auburn by double digits and still made the play? So what I like about this is, as you said, the bye. You have to be a conference champion to get the bye. To me, yep. that makes the regular season count because that bye is invaluable. That extra week of rest, that extra week of scouting. So if 2017 were to happen again and we were to apply these playoffs, Alabama would have to play a 5-12 game at home against an undefeated Central Florida. I'm in for that. Right. Yeah. There's another playoff yeah. scenario where Florida plays at Michigan in December. I'm in for that because Florida's the yeah. team that won't play anybody anywhere outside the state, frankly, other than SEC, that they have to. I'm in for those interconference uh, road games. And, and Drew, I'm in for group of five schools. I want I wanted this. What would Cincinnati have done? Let's give Cincinnati yeah. some props. That was oh, yeah. a pretty legit football team that showed up in Atlanta, man. Uh, I want to see I want to see Boise State in. I want to remember the Pac-12. They're still playing ball, Drew. We haven't <laughs> seen them in the playoffs since Washington was there right. in whatever 2016, five years ago. So that's why I like it. As a player, let me ask you: Is that too many games now that we're asking these guys to play? You know, I, I think if it's a playoff situation, then no, right? I mean, it, it is an, it is a privilege to make it to the college football playoffs. Nobody's going to say, hey, this is not what we intended it to happen. Um, I, I think that extra added excitement for a college football playoff will not on the back end be seen as too much football or unfair to these kids. Um, again, you know, there's going to be a trial and error period. I, I would have liked to start with eight and then go to 12. I think 12 at the onset is a bit much, but um, the more the merrier. And believe me, we'll be at 16 before you know it. I, I truly believe that. You're in on this 16 thing. By the way, we got some people asking, no, this is not official yet. So here's where no, it's, it's at in the timeline. Now, the fact that they leaked it out and had a press conference is kind of the writing on the wall that they're that they're going to push this thing through. They're going to ram this thing in. They're judging public sentiment, reaction, uh, advertisers are weighing in, looking at it. There's a current agreement in place that that has years left, but you can kind of hijack that if yeah. you maintain the college football committee's position, which they will continue 
uh, to vote the next six teams in the top highest six ranks conference champions are in. And then there's that college football playoff committee doing their thing with the TV executives behind the scene, making sure they get the right matchups. Right. And, and then, and then you maintain the new year's six bowl rotation. Those folks are still involved because you still Absolutely. have those top four teams. So, so everybody, the, the way the contract was written, nobody can say, Hey, we're not getting our money's worth. They're just going, no, 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 no. We're still going to have a college football playoff committee through the contract. We're still going to involve the same bowl games and the same championship. All we're doing is adding a little bit more and making it better. And nobody has anything to lose. So where is it at? So they introduced it. They're going to introduce it again to, in Chicago uh, Thursday and Friday or Friday and Saturday, Thursday and Friday, I think, to the college football management committee. And what that is, is all the conference commissioners and the Notre Dame AD, who, by the way, was on the subcommittee. I expect that to pass. And then there's one more round of rubber stamping. The soonest that this can start, Drew, is 2023. Bill Hancock, the executive director, is already on the record saying, hey, this ain't happening in the next two years. The cool yeah. thing for Georgia is that Kirby and Greg McGarity were way out in front of it. So remember two years ago when they're announcing home and home with Florida State and Oklahoma, yeah. they're already anticipating a playoff. So I guess I would ask you this. Now I'm, I'm going to wade into some other territory with you here, do controversial stuff. And we yeah, see the please. comments. We appreciate the comments. Yeah. You ready for this one? All right. Uh, home and home with Florida. Where are you at on this? Because there was a time when Jacksonville was a vacation. and a, But now that we're talking about an SEC championship game, now that we're talking about uh, home recruiting weekends, now that we're talking about Athens infrastructure and 20 to $30 million of economic impact going into Florida every year, where are you at with this? Kirby has hinted that he wants it home and home. I still hear from a few fans they like Jacksonville. What do you think? You know, I, the the I, the pageantry of Jacksonville, I guess, is something that I you, you could you could hang your hat onto. Um, I spoke with the sports information director at University of Florida just last week, and she asked me, uh, "So when's the last time you've been to Gainesville?" I said, "Never. I've never been to Gainesville. <laughs> I've never been to the swamp." Because we didn't play there. It's a bummer. It's the only stadium in the SEC that I didn't get to play in. And you hear your teammates in the NFL, the guys you play against in college, talk about how great an atmosphere it is. Um, and I think it would be really special for Georgia and Florida to have a home and home. And I'm fine with the home and home and then Atlanta and Jacksonville type situation as well. Mix it up. If you want to keep it special, there are plenty of opportunities to do so. You can even it out, though, and not just have it in Jacksonville. Um I guess that probably will be very dependent on the future of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see what happens with them. But um, yeah. I'd like it to go home and home once. I, I, I would just hope that we have success in Gainesville. That's a fact. As of now, it's contracted through Gainesville through 2023. Here's what I think. My two cents. And I, I was fortunate. I did an interview with the late, great Pat Dye uh, eight months before he passed. I taped it. I've done some stories. I talked with his son, Pat Dye Jr. And released. he thinks it's crazy. That, that Georgia plays down the he goes, I'm in the Jacksonville Hall of Fame, and I think it's crazy. Yeah. But remember, Pat Dye is the man that moved the Iron Bowl out of Birmingham and onto the Auburn campus. And what happened, and this is what I would predict would happen, Drew, I think if Georgia makes the move, if Josh Brooks uh, can stand up to Jerry Moorhead, and, and which way does he go? The head coach, the president, does the president really see the value of a home and home for the – anyway, if Brooks can get it changed, and I'm not saying he's going to try, but let's say that he does – I think Florida will keep their home game in Jacksonville. I think it will be 
uh, Athens and Jackson because Florida needs Jack. They got boosters there. They've got yeah. that's only 60 miles from campus. Yeah, it's not. I mean, there's only 60 miles from their campus. That's why we had Mark Richt on. He goes, Well, if we're going to play in Jacksonville, how about we play in Atlanta every other year? You yeah. Know? Or, yeah, or just Atlanta sure. every year, right? So that's my prediction. I, I think if I had to guess, I would guess that Brooks is, is going to side. Is I think Kirby wants it home and home. I think there's a reason it was only extended to 2023. I think all these other home and homes is the writing on the wall because Florida is one more game away from Athens every other year that should be a home game. Yeah. Now I want to move on to the next thing. Is it time to pull the road trip to Georgia Tech? Because that's, a you know, playing away from Sanford. I mean, my goodness, you could be playing Oregon home and home. Maybe just play Georgia Tech at home every other year or, or once every four years go there. I don't understand it. And, and this too, Drew, part two of the question. When you play those guys, all they're doing is kamikaze. They're not going to yeah. win. They, they're just trying to kill you guys. So I'm like, why are you playing this team that's got nothing to play for other than drilling your butts in their Super Bowl? And, oh, by the way, you got the SEC championship game next week. What are your thoughts on yeah. that? You know, I grew up in Atlanta, so any opportunity to take on Georgia Tech is right up my alley. I, I think it's fantastic. You know, I was really bummed we did not play them a year ago. Um, I do not like Georgia Tech that much. My brother-in-law, my sister's husband went to Georgia Tech. My wife's brother went to Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, <laughs> hey, Thanksgiving week in the Butler household, I, I look forward to that week because we get bragging rights very often. Um, and I just love that rivalry, too. I think it's a really special rivalry in the state and in the southeast for sure. I would move it to if, – if you're going to keep it, Drew, I'd move it to the beginning of the year when both teams still have something to play for and you don't have that doggone SEC. It's hard. It's hard. I got to think. Now, even being a punter, yeah. even being cool hand Luke, it's hard to be 110 for every game, isn't it? Isn't it hard to have the same emotion and folk just week after week after week? Yeah, but, you know, when I was there especially, we we loved beating up on Georgia Tech. I mean, that's a point <laughs> of pride. Like, walking into that game week, having the opportunity to whoop up on them and then go to the SEC Championship, that's two special weeks right there. Not many Georgia football players have had the opportunity to experience that. Fortunately, we went to the SEC Championship game in 2011. It didn't go as intended against the number one ranked LSU Tigers. But, man, I love walking into Bobby Dodd and just stomping around Georgia Tech. It's the best. There's nothing better. That's awesome. It's so much fun talking football with you, Drew. I appreciate it. I promise we're going to get to the to the icon source stuff in the NIL, which is the reason you're an expert. You're just an expert on so many fronts. And anytime we can talk to a former <laughs> All-American and a legacy player at that. I mean, this is someone here, Drew, that, that grew up in a Georgia Bulldogs and an NFL uh, kicker's household. So uh, absolute football royalty and, and, and certainly great academic success. And now fantastic uh, business success. Uh, you know, in addition to the podcast we were talking about, uh, also owner operator of Four Down Consulting. And as I said, we'll get to the icon in a moment. I want to, before we take our halftime break, I want to ask you your impressions about this year's Georgia football team. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of talk. JT Daniels has come, has come riding in from the sunset from the West. Todd yeah. Munkin, apparently the guru of all gurus with his pro style spread offense with air raid principle. And you just know Kirby's going to Kirby on defense, even though there's some holes in the secondary. What are your thoughts about this team and the questions that you think the Bulldogs need to answer before September 4th? 
Yeah, you know, I'll go back to a year ago. I think it could be looked upon as one of the most important moves of Kirby Smart's tenure at Georgia, and that was getting JT Daniels to transfer while Jamie Newman was already on campus. Uh, I want to say it was a Friday afternoon in April, and that came across the ticker, and you're like, what? How did that even happen? How was that even put on the radar? What a brilliant move at that point, and then even more brilliant when Jamie Newman backed out two weeks before the season started. Granted, JT's knee wasn't up to speed, Uh, thankfully he was able to finish out those last four or five games of the season, really start to catch his stride heading into this season. Specifically when the announcement came the other day, and there was plenty of rumblings and rumors that it was to be expected of the two five-star transfers that came into Georgia, you kind of perked up in your seat a little bit and said, okay, like, here we go. The, The excuses are out of the window now. I mean, Georgia has put the hay in the barn. They figured out what they needed to win Now, I know there's a lot of questions around the secondary. Kendrick does end up being eligible, which I would expect him to be. I think that will be great. Also, Tyke Smith coming in from West Virginia is going to be a monster help because you need guys with experience. You need guys who know what game days are like, who are coachable, to then be able to translate that coaching to some of the younger guys, get them in good position pre-snap, and they will get so much better from game one to game two to game three. I'm not really worried about the secondary that much. I would put most of my focus on the offensive line. I think that's the biggest question mark heading into this season. Coach Luke's an amazing coach. I think going back to the development that we talked about of these players, I think Coach Luke and Coach Munkin can scheme offensive game planning to take the pressure off the offensive line early on in the season, allow them to get into the groove, allow JT to understand, hey, here's what I'm expecting from a pass rush situation. Here's how these guys are moving defensive line off the ball when we're going to try to establish the run game. Um, There is a lot of optimism at the University of Georgia, much like we always say. And then I'm biased, but special teams, they might be the most shored up unit Heading into this season, I was really impressed with Coach Cochran a year ago. Let's hope Jack Podlesny can kind of feed off that positive momentum with that awesome kick in the Peach Bowl a year ago. And I trust Jake Kamara to be able to flip the field. So, Georgia's stacked. There's no doubt about it. That first game, man, they're going to they're gonna hit Clemson in the mouth. They're going to get hit right back in the mouth. That's going to be a fun one to kick off the 2021 season. No doubt. What a fantastic opener for us. And, you know, I think we all deserve it. I think the whole fan base deserves it. You know, the fact that Georgia uh, was able to soldier through last year, Drew, you bring up Jamie Newman. We can talk about Dwan Mathis coming off the brain surgery and a, a guy who, who hadn't really been under center, Stetson Bennett, uh, who'd waited his turn. You know, th- those Bulldogs fought through the season, yeah. fought through those COVID circumstances, found their way into a New Year's Six game. Won an incredible game against an undefeated Cincinnati team. Uh, just something to be proud of and, and something to feel good about. I'm, I'm tell you what else. You know, COVID was tough, but I, I'm proud and, and I'm pleased with with Ingles. And I think what they were able to do for us, their customers, uh, the frontline workers. You know, a lot of us back then, boy, remember that, that you know, afraid to walk in the rooms, not sure, and yet they're there to answer the bell every day. Every day, they're there to take care of the supplies. They're there to serve the community. I want to take a moment right now and recognize our sponsor, Ingles. It's in our hearts to feel for you. There's been ups and downs, turnarounds, good days and some bad. But we stand together for worse and for better. We'll always have your back.
Welcome back. Second half of the show. We're with two-time All-American, academic, All-SEC, Ray Guy Award. There's probably some other awards, Drew, one that I'm not mentioning. Uh, Drew Butler joins us. And, and Drew, we've talked a lot of football. We, we've talked the hot topics. Like you weighed in on the Georgia-Florida home-and-home. Love that. You weighed in on the Georgia Tech. It seems like Georgia, everybody kind of wants a little bit of everything. Before I get into uh, the Icon Source stuff, I want you to list the rivals, your rivals, because it seems to be different. Every Georgia yeah. guy that I ask, how would you yep. rank the rivalries? And I'm not even going to tell you how deep to go because I don't know who you consider. Everyone's got a little different order. What's your order of Georgia football rivalries? Yeah, number one for me is Georgia Tech. I mean, I grew up in Atlanta. Going back to the family aspect, uh, I don't like Georgia Tech. I, I make that very well known. <laughs> I think it's a really special rivalry, um, and that is always a fun game to prepare for. Florida, no doubt, is right there. And then my wife went to Alabama, so – that's a tough one, man. I mean, it's been pretty brutal in the Butler household the past couple of years. You know, this past fall when COVID was still going on and we said, hey, let's order up some pizza and we'll sit here and watch the game. And Georgia's up at halftime. And, like, you just get up off the couch at halftime going, I don't really have a good feeling about this. And sure enough, she continues to be a winner in the Butler household. So what's new? That's right. She was a winner the day she married you. That's what you got to tell her, Drew. She's yeah, always going to yeah. be. No, but you're, boy, that's tough. Hey, no mention of Tennessee and Auburn. Wow. A snub well, you know, when I the was American. there, When I was there in school, the, you know, Tennessee, they did whoop up on us, but then Lane Kiffin left, so there was a little bit of a transition there when Derek Dooley came to take that's over. Right. wasn't necessarily too competitive, and then we did play Cam Newton back in 2010, the Auburn game, uh, on their trek to a national championship, so you know, I do agree. I think it's a fantastic game. I'm bummed that game got moved to October. That game should have stayed in November. And look, I love Georgia. I love our university. That's something where I would have put my foot down and said, you know what, guys? No. You know, Auburn has always played Georgia and then Alabama. Why should we give up what is such a great tradition for our university to move it to October to make Alabama and Auburn happy? That was something I didn't necessarily understand, um, but hopefully we continue the tradition of whooping up on War Eagle. I think that was a Kirby move. I think Kirby, from what I recall, he was asked about it one year at spring meetings, and he wanted to separate the fact that you had Georgia Tech, your your rivalry, yeah. and Auburn yeah. uh, congruently on the road the same seasons and yes. at home. And yes. the other thing, the other factor that I think bodes well for you, it was getting Tennessee later in the season, right? Right now, Georgia's the deeper team. And I think getting Tennessee later in the season probably helps Georgia. Uh, I also know that Tennessee wanted to avoid playing Georgia, Florida. So you needed a dance partner. Both Auburn and Georgia wanted to move that game because yeah. of, as you said, the Auburn-Alabama game's proximity and in Kirby's case, Georgia Tech and Auburn proximity, they just needed a dance partner. And Philip Fulmer wasn't there very long as an AD, but he was there long enough to know that he needed to split up those Georgia and Alabama games because they were just too close to one another for the Vols. So I see what you're yeah. saying, though. I know it was a tradition uh, to play Auburn in November. I got to see a couple of those games. Uh, last year, the schedule was all crazy. So who knows how it will shake up? I'll be curious to see. And also following up some more Pat Dye uh, comments from the late great Pat Dye. Auburn ought to be in the East anyway. I, I don't know why yeah, Auburn's just yeah, not true. in the East and Missouri ship Missouri uh, to the West. Uh, so now let, let's get into the icon stuff. Let's get into what you're doing now. 
the role that you're playing. And man, it's an important role. And I'm sure Georgia fans, when they find out the role you're playing, they're going to be really excited because of your great reputation, your great education. And obviously you're a brilliant young man and you're going to have a really good idea on how to navigate these uncertain, uh, uncharted waters of the NIL. So for those watching who haven't kept up with all the little details, you're an absolute expert in this, Drew. Tell us about the NIL and what we're going to expect here in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a really exciting time in college sports. And if you're a student athlete right now, I mean, there is nothing more exciting than what's happening in five states on July 1st. Those states are Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and New Mexico. To where student athletes in those states on July 1 will be able to be compensated for their individual name, image, and likeness. Uh, there was a Senate hearing a week ago. They didn't really stay on topic. I don't think we have much faith in our politicians to focus in on an NCAA issue. They're going to be back uh, on June 17th. There is a D1 council meeting, NCAA D1 council meeting on June 22nd and 23rd, just in a couple of weeks here. And the rumblings are is that a lot of people think the NCAA might come out with some national bylaws that could allow all 50 states to play by the same rules, meaning student athletes are about to be able to make money off their individual name, image, and likeness. I now run the college division for a company called Icon Source. We're an on-demand digital marketplace software that works with professional athletes, the top agencies in the country, and high-profile brands every single day to allow them to facilitate endorsement deals with one another utilizing technology. And Chase Garrett, the founder and CEO, of Icon Source used to run Red Bull's athlete marketing program. He started Icon Source because he wanted to create a solution that would allow 100% of athletes and 100% of brands to have a seat at the table, to authentically engage with one another, use software to make it easy and efficient. And his platform really is the only scalable solution for college's upcoming name, image, and likeness legislation rule change. We are thrilled to provide this for student athletes, to provide this for brands and keep universities in the loop. Give them the information that they need to make sure they know where their kids are getting paid from, what the deals are looking like, and make sure that they're protected. We're here to protect the student athlete. We're here to provide for the university. We wanna give brands the opportunity to take the guardrails down around what has been the biggest no-no in college athletics in over 100 years and say, hey, we're looking to do this the right way. We're going to use Icon Source to make sure that it is done the right way. Because the last thing that a hyper-local brand who's trying to support a student athlete will want to do is jeopardize that student athlete's eligibility. They're looking for a place to facilitate and activate this new NIL market the right way. And Icon Source is the marketplace leader. So we're really, really looking forward to July 1st. And it's been, man, it's been an exciting past six weeks. Uh, we, we've got our Zoom focus on July 1st. We can't wait. Yeah, it is exciting. And, and recently you might have saw a story that as of July 1st, uh, there's some key Georgia athletes that are expected to be approached with some opportunities in, in football. Brock Vandegrift, uh, track star, Matthew Bowling. Uh, I believe there's an All-American golfer, uh, Phillips, his last name, and another one. Uh, Jack Podlesny, the kicker, the kicker is on that list. Uh, there's a name that's escaping me. It's an obvious one, Drew. Who's the fifth guy that may be approached on July 1st? I can't. I should know this track. Right oh, I do know. I it's it actually, all. it's it's one of the Tate brothers from here in Oconee County, oh, the baseball right. yeah. player, Connor Tate. So there, there's five student athletes that will be approached on July 1st. 
And uh, we'll see it, uh, with Onward Reserve, a really popular stylish men's brand. I, I like to shop there. I've got a couple of hats. I was wearing both of my Onward Reserve hats. Drew, everybody got on me because one of them is that Old Miss baby blue with the red. And it was too, I like, they don't, Georgia didn't even play Ole Miss. I just like the hat. But they got some really <laughs> cool shirts and pants and, and belt. Kirby Smart wears this stuff. You see Kirby, this is kind of Kirby's go-to stuff. You can see it. Uh, they've got a shop in Athens. They got really all over the state. I think there's a half a dozen yeah. of them. And the, the founder, TJ, is from Buckhead, and he's a UGA alum. So to your point, you know, here's a, a guy with, with a reasonably good-sized business, very popular, stylish brand, wants to help some current uh, student athletes do it the right way so he connects with Icon, and then Icon is the go-between. Now, this is one part that kind of confused me a little bit. I saw back in the day, a couple months ago, I think maybe George announced it, that they were partnering with Altius Sports. So what's yep. Altius's role versus Icon's role? How, does, how do the two companies fit in? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And Georgia did uh, hire Altia Sports Partners to be their education and consulting firm to educate the administration on the rule changes, consult with the student athletes to let them know, hey, here's how you set up an LLC. Hey, here's an entrepreneurship class that we're going to teach. Hey, we're going to provide you with some financial literacy. Here are the rules and regulations. Here are some do's and don'ts. We talk to Altius often. They've got an absolute rock star group of advisors and board of directors where obviously you look at the names on that list and you go, okay, well, that's why universities like Georgia are paying them, uh, I don't know how much, but probably a good amount of money to provide those services for the student athletes. What Altius would do is that they would vet Icon Source, look at our software, Understand that we are a proven solution. We're not trying to spin something up out of the dust and race to July 1st to try to finish it up and go, hey, University of Georgia student athletes, Icon Source is a great marketplace that we trust and prefer. So if you do sign up there, you will be in good shape. We are a complement to firms like Altia Sports Partners. We are a complement to companies like Open Doors and Influencer, who you always hear dominate the NIL headlines. And we are a true complement to the disclosure and monitoring services that the universities are contracting out to help the student athletes disclose and tell compliance what they are doing. We are uniquely positioned at Icon Source because we are causing compensation for the student athletes. The legislation pretty clearly states that if you are causing compensation directly or indirectly, you cannot be in relationship with the universities. So we have no official business relationship with the University of Georgia. There is no transaction between the University of Georgia and Icon Source. What we do do is talk to the athletic directors talk to the compliance officers, talk to lawyers, head coaches, student athletes, and we introduce ourselves and say, hey, if you create a profile on Icon Source on July 1st, brands will be able to engage directly with you and send you endorsement opportunities. Then it's up to the student athlete and the brand to come to an agreement in a secure and transparent marketplace. What we do from there is we provide the platform. So we're not a middleman because we don't speak on behalf of either the brand or the student athlete. We're a true conduit. We are allowing them to speak with one another. Uh, when they do come to an agreement, we secure the payment to make sure that the student athlete gets paid. Uh, we send all that contract information back to the university for free because we can't have any business relationship with them. And then at the end of the year, at the end of the calendar year, that student athlete will get a single form 1099 tax document from our company. So they don't have to go chase down 
50 different brands that paid them 50 bucks or 500 bucks a pop. And that causes a huge headache for kids who are really focused on what's most important. And that, of course, is their academics and athletics. So we want to provide them that streamlined, easy and efficient marketplace to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. That's the unique position that we're in. And the fact that we do it every day on the professional side for pro athletes and their agents, uh, we know that we're ready to go on July 1st. And that's why brands are coming to us going, oh my gosh, we are thrilled. Let's start getting stuff ready to go. Let's start getting stuff ready to go. I, I think it would be shocking if any head coach or or compliance uh, official or athletic director would not think that brands are wanting to do it the moment that they're allowed to. And that's what we're going to provide. Um, our college platform goes live on July 1st. So no athletes profiles are live. They have zero contact with any brand. We're just situating them the best way possible so that when they have the opportunity, when the laws allow it, they'll be best positioned to capitalize. We're really excited. So July 1st, the platform goes live, the, the, the icon sport goes, icon goes live athletes that are signed up with you or, or that are on your platform can then be approached. It's almost like a, a meeting place. Like you said, it's not a middleman because you're not negotiating. It's just allowing the companies, the access to the, uh, to the, uh, athletes on a visible platform. And then once deals are secured, you're there to do the paperwork and make sure compliance, university, uh, student athletes, you're there to kind of handle the paperwork, but you're not necessarily negotiating for them as much as you're just providing the platform that lets everybody see, oh, hey, here's these 20 Georgia athletes that are interested in NIL, or maybe the, the companies, or maybe the, do the uh, athletes see the companies that are on your platform? I mean, I'm trying to, like, this is like a match.com kind of thing. Yeah, very similar to Match.com, very similar to Zillow.com if you're in the real estate market as well. Um, you know, what we want to provide is the opportunity for a brand. I mean, a brand can create a public opportunity that says, hey, I'm looking for 25 student athletes. Here's what our pay range is. Here's what we're asking for. If you're interested, let us know. And then athletes can see that and say, hey, I love your restaurant or I love your business. Uh, I would love to help out. And maybe they love it so much that they'll take the lower amount rather than try to haggle and negotiate for the higher amount. Again, we don't have anything to do with that, uh, but more so the majority of deals that are done on icon sources through our AI technology, where brands are searching for athletes that can speak authentically to what they like. Hey, if an athlete says, I like hunting, I like fishing, I like golfing. I'm from South Georgia. I live in Athens. Here's my bio from the university of Georgia website. Brands can then say, Hey, I'm looking for somebody from South Georgia who's interested in golfing and hunting, and that student athlete will pop up. Now the brand can go directly to the student athlete and say, hey, we're creating this endorsement opportunity. We're doing this the right way. We think you're a perfect fit. Are you interested? Then the student athlete can say, yes, I am interested. They come to an agreement. We take all that information, give it to compliance for free to tell compliance, here is what's happening. Let us know if there's any issues. We want to make sure that everybody is protected. So we in no way try to get in the middle of anything. We are trying to provide the excedrin to the migraine of NIL for compliance officers and athletic departments. We really want them to say, man, you guys are awesome. You're providing a huge resource and you're uniquely positioned so that there's no conflict of interest and no conflict of legislation. 
we're here to help. And, and we're really looking forward to doing that because we know we're going to help student athletes. We know we're going to help brands in a big way. And we know the universities will say thank you so much when all this dust settles. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And, it, and it's ingenious because a lot of the question was, well, how are you going to do NIL? You know, how distracted will players be? And I suppose the parents can get involved in this. Probably the parents, when we talk about providing the platform, it's not just the student athletes. I'm sure some of the parents want to act as representatives. Um, it, Drew, let me ask you this. It, is it legal now with an NFL for a player to have an agent representative work with uh, Icon Source or any of these people that want to approach them? Did you say in the NFL or within the new NIL market? In the in the NIL, could a college athlete have an athlete represent them for their deals that they're trying to secure with these companies uh, off the yeah, platform? Yeah, on, Ju on, on July 1st, they will be able to. Um, that legislation is different from state to state, but in a state like Georgia and Florida, student athletes can have representation. They can have lawyers look over their contracts for them. They can have agents represent them and help them facilitate endorsement deals. You know, on our professional platform – Agents love to use Icon Source because it's essentially a CRM tool for them. Their client roster is getting exposed to a much wider variety of brands. They're doing deals much faster and more efficient, and that creates stickiness between the client and the agent. Now, for the college aspect, if a student athlete does have representation, that's awesome. More power to them. We would like to talk to that representation and say, hey, you should utilize Icon Source because remember that compliance piece is gigantic and we're going to provide them with that accounting information at the end of the year so that the student athlete or the agent doesn't have to worry about the nuts and bolts. The student athlete can focus on his academics, his athletics, and the agent can really go out there and try to get top dollar for their clients. So we think that we will see some of that. Uh, you would just be amazed at the types of athletes that brands want to engage with on July 1st. We always talk in hypotheticals when it comes to NIL. The Trevor Lawrences, the Justin Fields, always talking about the Heisman finalists, always talking about the point guard or the March Madness player of the year. That's just simply not the case. Those kids will have plenty of opportunity. There is no doubt about it. But brands are identifying through their own research, hey, we think X, Y, or Z will be a perfect fit for our endorsement opportunity, this web is going to spread super wide. Uh, and we just know that we're going to have that great solution for the student athletes to go, hey, you know what? Maybe I am a golfer. Maybe I am a swimmer. But brands love to support our sport. They have family connections with our teams. They want to make sure that we have the opportunity as well. Um, so this thing is going to go full speed ahead on july 1st and if for any of the listeners out there if you are a small business owner and you finally now have the opportunity to engage with a student athlete have them post a social media post for you or shoot a digital media shoot you can go to icon source create a brand profile have a seat at the table and engage with student athletes who are on our platform so it's really exciting because we're going to do it the right way I think I need to create it. You're getting me excited. Can does anybody want a journalist to represent? I, I mean, Come it on. does. It does. It does sound like a, a great opportunity for student athletes. Uh, Drew, before we wrap up th this part of the NIL, I, I know that you said earlier um, that the kids couldn't do endorsements for brands that that uh, compete with George. For example, Nike. George is a Nike school, so we're not going to see any Georgia players sign uh, Adidas uh, types of contract. In addition to that, are, are there any other, um, I guess, no-nos or any other stipulations that that people need to be aware of? And again, we're, we're in the infancy of this. It's the Wild West. Uh, it, we're feeling it out as we go. Thank goodness there's professionals 
uh, like yourself to provide some guidance and make sure that compliance and schools are keyed in and, and everybody's up front with it. But are there is there anything else other than that competing brand uh, hang up or issue um, that, that companies that look for endorsements have to be aware of or fans may want to watch for and go that they can't do that? Yeah, there's a lot of great questions in the chat. Uh, somebody asks, is there a dollar limit? No, there's no cap. Student athletes can make as much as they possibly can, which is really exciting. Uh, somebody else said, what is not allowed? And there was one more in there. Um, I'll just try to touch a base on all of them. Uh, you mentioned there are companies, uh, alcohol companies, sports gambling companies, tobacco, firearms, um, adult entertainment. Student athletes can't do deals with those types of companies. And on Icon Source, they can't even get verified to send deals to student athletes. So no need for worry there. You do mention the conflict of interest. And this is a really interesting topic because I talk with lawyers often. I am not a lawyer, but I like to talk to smart people and say, tell me what this means. When it comes to the conflict of interest, the rules as it's written right now state this, student athletes cannot sign contracts that break the contracts of the university. So. If JT Daniels did sign a deal with Adidas, obviously he could not wear Adidas cleats at Sanford Stadium or in week one against Clemson. But JT Daniels could hypothetically sign a deal with Adidas and then after the football game, go to his Instagram wearing an Adidas jumpsuit and say, just beat Clemson, love wearing my Adidas after a big win. That would be allowed because he's not breaking any contract that the University of Georgia has. this. There is so much opportunity in this, and it all has to be done the right way. You know, we think the pros heavily outweigh the cons. We've talked with tons of student athletes. We've talked with tons of head coaches, athletic directors, compliance officers. Uh, this thing's going to really blow up, and, and we're excited because we just know that these student athletes finally – are getting what they deserve. And, you know, to his credit, if JT Daniels throws five touchdowns on week one, he's going to be pretty well situated. But if he doesn't throw five <laughs> touchdowns and Georgia loses by five touchdowns, he might not be that well situated. That's a real welcome to the real world moment for these student athletes. Um, I lived it when I was in the NFL. Granted, I was a punter, so endorsement deals don't just fall off trees. But if you have a really good game or if you go to the Pro Bowl, guess what? People will want you to speak a part of what they are selling, what their businesses represent, or what their restaurants and establishments uh, stand for. So I know that it's going to be a lot of fun. And these student athletes are going to be drinking out of a fire hose when it comes to do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. We want them to take that education that's being provided by the universities, that's being provided by these awesome companies that the universities are hiring, come to Icon Source and say, okay, now I'm ready. Let's go find some brands that are that really – kind of speak to what I want to represent. Is there a window? Is there any negotiation window? Or can, can these deals come and go as the season progresses? You know, I'm not quite sure about that. I don't know how much, and I read it, and I think the national bylaws will probably be the final say on this. But, like, if Kirby, if Coach Smart said, hey, I would rather my student athletes, my football players, not have their icon source profiles up during finals week, like, if he's allowed to say that, then we would have no issue turning those profiles off. I just don't know how much the universities can be involved when it comes to the compensations. Again, that's why we are uniquely positioned um, by, by providing the university that information, but not being in a business contract with them. Um, but as far as, 
you know, these are one-off contracts, right? I, I don't necessarily foresee student athletes getting into long-term deals just because any brand and their marketing team would probably know that that's not good for either with such a new market. So I'll be really interested to see how that shakes out. Well, now we know that college athletes can do NIL, but what about high school athletes? I know that sounds silly, yeah. but would, would that prevent them from being eligible or can, does this open the door now that, that high school that, you know, you know, Gunnar Stockton could be approached uh, now that college athletes can, uh, does, or is, is that, is the door open for that as well? You know, that's going to be hundred percent dependent on the national bylaws or the federal legislation. Keep in mind, I think this is really important for all casual fans to know who may not be reading every NIL article all hours of the day. Like I do, this is not the universities paying the kids on top of their scholarships. These are businesses engaging with the student athletes to use their individual name, image, and likeness, right? JT Daniels, without the permission of Georgia, can't cut a commercial and say, hi, I'm quarterback JT Daniels, excuse me, hi, I'm Georgia quarterback JT Daniels wearing his Georgia jersey, okay? Because those are marks and logos. He does not have the rights to that. But JT could be wearing red and black and say, hey, I'm quarterback JT Daniels, and obviously everybody knows who he is. So that is what the individual name, image, and likeness is, as opposed to just using the university's marks and logos, which you don't have access to. That's more so the professional side. Um, I think it could grow that way as it continues to uh, evolve. But I think there's so much opportunity. And um, we're, we're, again, I keep saying it, but we're just really excited. What if he gets a tattoo, a, a, the G on his face? Yeah. Oh, you, you know what, though? You were asking about, you were asking about uh, high school, and thank you for reminding right. me, Chad Williams. The federal legislation, and I think everybody can agree on this, they are going to make hard and fast rules to stay away from pay-to-play. What is pay-to-play? Pay-to-play is, you know, Mike Griffith, that dog nation, telling Gunnar Stockton, hey, if you commit to Georgia, I'll pay you $500,000, right? That can't happen because now amateurism is out the window. Nobody wants that to happen. So I think the legislation will create very hard and fast rules to try to clamp down on it, which they already try to clamp down on it as much as they possibly can. But that's where the disclosure comes into place. That's where the NCAA, the schools, everybody involved is going to have to know where this deal flow is coming from. So nobody wants pay to play. Could a high school athlete be compensated? I don't think they will be as freely as NCAA student athletes will um, because you want to stay away from pay to play. I think everybody can agree with that. Is this a game changer potentially, Drew, for guys that, that are weighing going pro early versus staying another year now that there's the potential for endorsement deals? I think, um, you know, I think about that for college basketball with the one in one epidemic that's going on at the college basketball level. You see guys like Zion Williamson who can make probably a million dollars. I think that is a 100% accurate type of uh, estimate where Zion Williamson had massive name, image, and likeness value. Uh, clearly, he was going to be the number one pick, so that might not be the best uh, situation to, to make a comparison. But I think this comparison, and so much has talked about it with recruiting. I think I talked to Tony Pike a week ago. Tony Pike, great former starting quarterback at the University of Cincinnati. If a guy like Tony Pike, who's from the Cincinnati area, went to high school there, grew up there, comes down to, I'm going to be the starting quarterback at Cincinnati, or I might go try to compete and be the starting quarterback at Florida State, 
right? With this new era of college football, schools can look at Tony Pike and say, Tony, look at what we're doing for our student athletes. This community absolutely loves you and idolizes you. You will be the big fish in the little pond, and he can capitalize on it the right way. That might make him pull towards staying to that sort of group of five team where it's not Florida State or not this massive brand of college football where he knows he's going to have to go in there and compete. He might be buried on the depth chart. He might not play until year two, three, or four. Now his NIL value diminishes. I think those things, and that's just me kind of making my own hypotheticals, I think that might be the real opportunity for this to kind of level out the playing field and say, hey, you know what? You've got huge value here. Why don't you stay home and make a name for yourself? That's brilliant. I, I tell you, absolutely brilliant, Drew. I can see why you're involved in this. I can see why you're a, uh, you know, an ideas guy, a manager for this. You've studied this, uh, so clearly ready to pounce on opportunities once July 1st gets here and help your company uh, be positioned to help these student athletes and help these uh, companies connect. So to take the next leap, and I don't know, maybe this is a dumb assumption, but if you're near a major metropolitan area, is that good news for you? Because I would think there would be more corporations. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth would, would help Texas schools. You'd think Atlanta, the proximity that schools like Georgia, Auburn, Georgia Tech, uh, Detroit, University of Michigan. Yeah. Uh, could this revitalize Southern California with Los Angeles and UCLA, USC? Is there something to be said for the major metropolitan areas and their corporate corporate opportunities? Yeah, I think 100%. You know, Georgia two years ago started selling 404 in Athens. Hey, you know, we're only an hour and a half away from Atlanta. Look at all of our alumni. Look at the companies where some of our top supporters work at. You know, Atlanta is a Georgia town. There's no question about it. And good on the University of Georgia for using that as a recruiting tactic, I think there's no doubt about it that the opportunity to really showcase the surrounding area of not only your hyper-local town like Athens, but your regional hub like in Atlanta, Georgia, will just help these student-athletes go, wow, there's tons of opportunity here. And then you get them on campus and you say, hey, look, half of our graduating class just went up to Charlotte or Nashville or down to Tampa. You know, Georgia Bulldogs are everywhere. Once they see and understand that, I think that can create real value for them to say, wow, this is somewhere I really need to think about. Um, and, you know, I granted, mine was 2007. That's a long time ago. That was when I went on my <laughs> official visit. And Georgia's support staff for their student-athletes, it's unparalleled. It, it really is. I, I understand that as a student-athlete, you have a lot of sacrifices. There's no question about that. But the privileges that you have, like what UGA provides for their student athletes, it is tremendous. I mean, I'm 32 now. I've got two kids. I'm working a full-time job. Sometimes you just sit back and go, man, I still wish I had all that right at my fingertips because they make it really, really easy on the student athletes. They want to make sure that they're going to succeed. And I have no doubt that they will continue to lead down that pathway with this new era of college sports. So again, I love UGA. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I'm excited for the student athletes at Georgia. I think about a guy like my boy, Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray would have made $500,000 in college. There's no doubt about it. He owns every SEC record. He started there for four years. Georgia was really, really good. He's a very likable guy. He's got value in Atlanta. He's got value down in Florida. Aaron Murray is a case study of how NIL could have really positively impacted somebody. And I don't think any of his teammates at Georgia would have liked him less 
or would have thought of him differently because he earned and got to capitalize on his name, image, and likeness after setting every record in the record books. Um, you know, those are the things that really get me fired up. And I go, wow, these kids are going to have uh, a lot of fun and we'll make sure that they do it the right way. I know that Georgia's NIL legislation allows for the school to pool money. And I also know that Georgia said, hey, we don't plan on doing that. Well, let me throw a scenario, a hypothetical. What if a player says, you know what? But I want to. I I want, you know, a running back says, I want to share this with some of my big uglies. I want to help out. Can can they do that or would they be stopped? Because I know that Georgia said, hey, we're not going to ask our guys to pool their money or do mm-hmm. we know is that a, is that a better question for Georgia or do you have an inkling on how much freedom guys would have you know Joe Blow gets a deal can he share it with his teammates is that allowed yeah yeah that's a great question you know that provision was put in the legislation and it got tons of play in the media bottom line is this if it doesn't help recruiting the schools aren't going to do it so they're not going to do that they're not going to tell these kids hey you know what well we're going to take your money and then when you graduate you'll get 25% of it and then we'll spread out the That's not going to happen because it'd be horrible for recruiting. If Florida didn't do that and you were between Florida and Georgia, they're going to tell you exactly what the benefit of going to Georgia would be rather than ending up at Florida. You bring up a great point. You know, if the quarterback does make a $10,000 deal and he wants to give his lineman a thousand dollars each, he probably would just have to disclose it. Right. I mean, there had to be some sort of process to say, Hey, I'm sharing the love here. Uh, my guys are really providing for me in a big way. I mean, of course, this is a hypothetical, and that's all we're discussing right now sure. uh, because July 1st isn't here. I don't have the answer to that right now, but if they did, I highly doubt the university would stop it. They would just say, hey, let's do it the right way. Drew Butler, man, it blew everybody away tonight, Drew. All American, you know, your, your career as a fan favorite, a, a legacy player, your father, his tremendous contributions, and and now you giving back to the sport. I mean, a, a great representative as a student athlete, and, and now working with your alma mater as well as other schools um, to help the sport and help student athletes. I just, I just don't know if we could write a better script for you, Drew. And you're only 32 years old, right? I mean, this is pretty amazing. I mean, this is, you know, if if I, if there's a place I could buy stock in Drew Butler, I'm investing now because you're doing some amazing things. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking about a topic that, you know, we're all just kind of dipping our toe in the water. And, you know, the the lifeguard just arrived and took us all into the deep end and said, here's how you do it. Don't worry. Uh, Here's the life preserver and really gave us an education. I think a lot of people are going to want to go back and watch this program. I know I will. I'll transcribe a lot of the things you said. So much information, Drew, that you just can't get anywhere else. And, And I'll be following up, man. I can't thank you enough for your time tonight. Mike, I really appreciate you, man. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, we're here to help, and that's the message that we want to get out there. We're here to help the student-athletes. We're here to help these brands activate this brand-new, exciting market, and we're really here to help these universities. We want compliance officers to tell us what they need, uh, and we'll make it happen. And the best part is is we're free, so that's a pretty easy sale there. We want to help everybody, wow. and we're really looking forward uh, to July 1st to get around the corner, and we'll see what happens later on this month. June 22nd, 23rd, the NCAA could blow the doors off this thing and say, hey, all 50 states are are, are a go. And if that is the case, Mike, you text me. I might need some help, man. We're going to be rocking and rolling. <laughs> it's going to be outstanding. Hey, I'm going to call it a wrap for tonight's show. I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight on Angles on the Beat. If you've got more questions for Drew, uh, type them in underneath. Uh, I, I'm sure Drew's checked on him. He's, he's done a great job answering the questions. You can tell he's not only a, a great business representative, but extremely media savvy. 
uh, does an outstanding job on his podcast with Aaron Murray. Clearly a, a guy with a journalism degree. One of these guys that apparently can just do anything, right? Don't these guys just make you sick? <laughs> he can golf. He can punt. He can do journalism. He can do podcasts. He can do business. Just one of those dudes. So want to thank Drew. Want to thank you guys for watching us. And, um, you know, uh, there'll be more programming on Dog Nation this week. Everybody have a wonderful week, and thanks again. Thank you. Go dogs.